Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. On today's episode, we watch an old Frank Capra movie. We also talk OG superheroes and discover the best apps of 2020 so far. It's time for a top three turf war. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do a superhero top three turf war, but this is a little bit different. Last week, we were watching Scott Pilgrim's reunited cast thing, and I I got really into it. I got so into it that Edgar Wright liked one of my tweets. Which is just insane. Like, Edgar Wright, arguably one of the better directors around right now, specifically interacted with you because of Scott Pilgrim. And we were talking about, like, oh, man, Scott Pilgrim, great comic. And we got to thinking about, like, what... What kind of comic book superhero movies were just made as movies? Not made from any source material other than that script. Yeah, like an actual original hero. And yeah. you know what? I was expecting to find way more than there actually are. There are not that many. I was like all all in. I'm like, oh, the Rocketeer is going to go on this list? Nuh-uh. That is a, it was an 80s comic. And I'm like, it was? It yeah. was? The Crow, which I was kind of hoping was original, was not. That's another comic. So we did, in fact, narrow it down to our three top favorite original OG superhero movies. These are not from comics. The only source material comes from that first script. So, Ivana, what is your number three original superhero movie? And I think we are going to have some crossover. I think so, too. I'd be shocked if we didn't. Um, all right, so my first, like my number three position movie is Hancock featuring Will Smith. Okay, I, it's not on mine. I didn't really enjoy, I like Hancock more and more, but it had to grow on me. That first watch, I, I was like, oh, the tone of this movie is not doing it for me. So why is it on yours? I, that was it. The tone of this movie felt like a bit of a breath of fresh air. Um, you had, you know, a real reluctant hero with Will Smith. And I think that he carries the movie really well. And, and I mean, it's pretty. It's Charlize Theron, um, Jason Bateman. You've got a, a ton of, like, smaller cameo appearances from other big actors. It's just a really entertaining film to watch. And I felt like it was something different, something that wasn't Marvel and something that was a little bit of a different look at things. And you throw Charlize Theron into any kind of ass-kicking movie. It is a lot of fun. Her new movie on Netflix called The Old Guard kind of gave me flashbacks to her being like an ancient one in Hancock. Right. And like, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I it's on my list. I kind of definitely, like I, I'm at my parents' house right now and I was saving it because I know my parents would like that kind of movie. And why hasn't Charlize Theron become like, the biggest action star on the planet because she just needs to be that now. Isn't she, though? She already is. Like, I feel like she's she in is a lot. A hu- she's one of the biggest action stars. It was like Angelina Jolie for a while, and now it's her. Which I'm so happy about because I absolutely, I, I love her as an action hero. 
Yeah, she's a fantastic action hero. And she really brings a lot to Hancock. And what's weird is like Peter Berg is like a huge name in directing and this is his biggest movie. And actually, fun fact, at least at the time of the article that I was reading, uh, this was like the biggest opener in terms of like opening weekend for Will Smith and Peter Berg. Wow. And I feel like I've heard and know about Peter Berg, but then I looked at him on his IMDb and he doesn't do nearly as much as you would expect. Well, now he's like all about Mark Wahlberg as his lead. Yes, he loves Mark Wahlberg, which works. They, they, they're they great together. And Spencer Confidential was a really fun movie. I haven't seen it. Spencer Confidential. Oh, yeah. It's another one. Uh, it's a Netflix movie similar, I think, to Old Guard, uh, especially if I based on like a few trailers that I've seen. Really fun, really fun movie. Spencer Confidential. I'm adding it to my recommended list. I have a list on on Letterboxd of everything recommended to me by friends, and uh, it is going on that list. Nice. All right, what's your number two? Well, I haven't given you my number three yet, but I will give you my number three. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about Sky High. (gasps) Yes, okay. That's great. It's it's your three? It's my number three on my list. Okay, there you know are two others put, that I think are better. Put a little, put a pin in it. We'll oh, talk we're going to put it. a pin in it. Okay, all right. What's your number two? My number two is The Incredibles. All right, put a pin in it. All right. My number two is Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, good. I'm glad that's on. That was my number four. Okay, tell me about it. All right, so Unbreakable At the beginning of the film, it's seemingly not a superhero film. It's kind of like about a guy obsessed with comic books and a guy who is into his job as a security guard. But as the story unfolds, you realize, oh, well, if there's one end of the spectrum, Samuel Jackson's character, Mr. Glass, who shatters easily, maybe there's another end of the spectrum of a guy who cannot shatter at all who ends up being Bruce Willis, who survives this horrific train wreck. And that's how we discover, oh my God, he is like, fine. He is a superhero. It's a slow burn film. That is absolutely correct. And like for the whole movie, he's also just, is he like, does he have superheroes? What is going on? Like, how is he the person who survived this wreck? And is it just that he was lucky or does he have superheroes? superpowers and i think that that it's a fantastic movie i am uh, i'm i'm kind of really into this movie i'm not as much into the rest of the trilogy i think split is great i really thought that glass was doing so well like it was going great until that ending went off the rails and i'm i'm just going to say it like there is a really good film in glass which is the third part of this unbreakable trilogy, but the ending hurts, hurts it for me in such a way that I, I walked away angry from the film. And I, I I don't know if everybody feels that way, but I certainly did. And, uh, but it doesn't take anything away from the original unbreakable and how great Bruce Willis is as this very reluctant hero. And it is in fact a superhero movie at the end of the film. Oh, absolutely. Complete superhero movie. It's a it's a really original take on it. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan has had movies that people have loved most with Bruce Willis and movies that people have hated. (laughs) And and this is one of the loved ones. And I think that's for a reason. All right. So your number one is 
Sky high. Sky high, yeah. Wow, number one. How is it even not your number one? That's the thing that like boggles my mind. Sky High, I I think I've seen this movie six times. I'm aware that it's a like, it's I don't, it's such a good movie. It's a good movie. Like I don't know what to say. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is amazing. Kelly Preston, who recently passed away, unfortunately, is fantastic in it. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. I mean. I don't know. Like, I guess I haven't, I never watched a lot of Kurt Russell movies before. So this for me was one of my introductory movies to Kurt Russell. Wow. Really? Like this is uh that's a fun first look at Kurt Russell. Like, I don't know if it's the first thing I've ever seen in him, but it's the first time I like, I was like, oh, that's Kurt Russell. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I mean, he basically plays Superman, but can't fly. Exactly. And Which that's why he needs Superman- Kelly Preston who can fly. And, and then their kid is supposed to be this kid that's going to have the best superpowers of absolutely anyone. And he then doesn't. he doesn't. He doesn't get his. <laughs> he, he's like going through puberty, like superpower puberty late. So I honestly, I love Sky High. So it's my number three on my list. I, it, it takes a lot from Harry Potter. It's basically a school for superheroes in the way that Hogwarts is a school for just, just because it uses a similar setting to me does not make it like Harry Potter. Like, I, I don't see the parallels. They're so different in tone. Well, one is very self-aware and is trying to say something about who your friends are. You know, it's got that grease, like, just because you're the cool kid doesn't mean that you shouldn't like the geeky kids. And uh, yeah. and the sidekicks really get the brunt of, of this. In the same way that I think, like, other houses get the brunt of other things in Hogwarts. I don't know. To me, it's a smaller world. It's a simpler world. This is more of a teen movie meets a superhero movie than a Harry Potter takeoff. I mean, I get it. I get the similarities. You have the school where you learn wizarding. You have the school where you learn to use your superhero powers. Um, but the cliques are different. And the you know world building is different. Is that, like, the superheroes, the heroes in Sky High, really, if you look at it from a Harry Potter's lens, represent the Gryffindor class. But at the end of the film, they represent the Slytherin class. They are the bad guys at the end. I feel like, yes, they are the bad guys, but that makes it exactly why this is not like... A Harry Potter movie. I don't understand how you keep going back to Harry Potter. They're so different. I don't know. I feel like any any school setting that teaches something other than school is compared instantly to Harry Potter, especially if there's some supernatural stuff in it. <laughs> but I I adore this film. I think it's it's fantastic. It says a lot about uh, you know, who are your real friends and what it means. To be a hero, it also has a lot of the old kids of the hall guys. Yes, yes, and they're so funny, so funny. The coach, oh my gosh, I mean, he's not from Kids in the Hall, but he's so good. All right, uh, so that is your number one. Wow, okay, well, I'm going with The Incredibles at my number one. It's not my favorite Pixar film, but it's definitely the most different Pixar film from the bunch, and it's not because it's superheroes. It's because it's like a stylized 60s spy movie with superheroes. 
Yes, it is very original for a superhero story. Like, it's not going... Like, Sky High is all superhero tropes. Incredibles is something else with superheroes. Yeah, exactly. And the thing I think I like the most about The Incredibles is not only that their their powers are really fun and the animation is terrific... I think it's the world building of a world that doesn't want them anymore and they have to exist under the radar. So all the old hat superheroes are like disguised as as vigilante renegades in this world that no longer wants them. And then when finally a big villain shows up, you have this family who comes together. They've the kids have never been superheroes before. They've actually been told they have to hide all their stuff. Right, all their powers. Yeah, and then they get to go full tilt. You know, one of the funnest scenes is when uh, the mom tells her little boy that he can run as fast as he wants, as fast as he can, and the joy he gets from, like, running on water. (laughs) I I, I just think there's so many small scenes. Also wrapped in this is this marriage story. This very realistic, I think he's cheating on me, marriage story. Because he's going to this island to defeat all these robots, and he's, like, happy. He has, in a way, found his own little thing. But because it's a secret, because he can't tell her, she is suspicious of it. And we have another Bird director in this movie. This one is Brad Bird instead of Peter Bird or Berg. So, like, we have similar director names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Brad Bird, of course, goes on to... Uh, he did Ratatouille. That was so good. He did The Iron Giant, which to me is, like, that is mwah, chef's kiss in a film. You know, it's funny. I've never seen Iron Giant precisely because I... Never am in the mood to cry that much. I know. I know the tears are going to come and it's hard for me to watch. I hate crying, but I know that movie is going to like break my heart. I also like that The Incredibles is like the Fantastic Four movie that we all should have had. Yes, it is. It's like the better Fantastic Four than what Fantastic Four ever has been in its live action formats. Exactly. I I will say one fun fact about The Incredibles is that it's actually the first Pixar movie to win multiple Oscars. What? Oh, so it won animated. What else? Best achievement in sound editing and best animated and also best uh, oh, no, it didn't win, but it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Oh, see, that's awesome. Like, when you get an animated movie, a superhero movie that is nominated, nominated for screenplay, I mean, that's that's pretty great. And it has no IP attached to it. It's not like a DC or a Marvel or anything. It's just brand spanking new from his head. And so good. All right, well, what are we going to do now? <laughs> well, Sky High is staying in for sure. And obviously, The Incredibles is staying in. For sure. So we both had those on our list. Easy peasy. What is the third? So it's Hancock or Unbreakable, right? Hancock or Unbreakable. I'm fine. I'm I'm happy to put Unbreakable in the number three position um, because I think more it's like more canon and it's more like exciting for most people. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think it's yeah, I'm, respected I'm more. So I think it deserves that slot much more than the other movie. All right. Well, in that case, I will I will say because you've given me mine, I will give yours at number one. What? I know this is mental. This is bonkers. 
It's I think Sky High is a movie that gets shit on, to be honest. And yeah, I don't understand do. it. They shit on this movie and I don't get it because, you know, but maybe that's why it should be in the number two position. I realize I'm now arguing against myself, but like. <laughs> I mean, nobody would argue The Incredibles in the number one position, but hey, this is our list. We could do whatever the hell we want. It's true. And we do both love this. It's hard. Like, it's a hard decision to me which one to put in the number one. I I think that Sky High is completely underappreciated. So many people think this is just some stupid kids movie, but I'm here to say that it's much more than that. It is simple. It is campy. It's super campy, but that's the point. Like sometimes you just need a little camp in your life. Hey, so is The Incredibles. The Incredibles has a great deal of camp in it as well. Yeah, but The Incredibles is like elevated camp, which I guess like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, it's that different. stylized it's like a- camp. Yeah, exactly. Which kind of makes it not campy. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, God. I know. Okay, so are we putting The Incredibles at number one then? Yeah, we're going to put The Incredibles at number one. I think it deserves it from like an achievement perspective. I just want to say that Sky High still like warms my heart more. Let's count it down. Number three, Unbreakable. Number two, and my favorite, Sky High. And the number one original superhero story is The Incredibles. Someone's got to make a new superhero movie because, like, it's been a while since there's been something original. Well, there's things that, like, I was looking up this list that I still haven't seen yet. So Me too. What are your I need to watch this ASAP? Okay, I need to watch Super because it's, it's James Gunn and I've never seen it. And it's like Dwight from The Office being a superhero. I need to see that movie. How did I not hear about this movie when it came out? It looks great. I also need to see Dark Man, which is Sam Raimi. And you know how much I love Sam Raimi. That movie is, that's a campy movie. It's a good oh, campy movie. Love camp. That was the only one I needed to see. Uh, on my honorable mentions, I got RoboCop. Oh, I guess he does count as a superhero, doesn't he? I love that he movie. Is, That's a great he movie. He is a man who gets enhanced powers. Yeah, RoboCop so... totally counts. That's a great one and and totally worth it on the honorable mentions. And in the same vein, Upgrade, which is... I have not is... seen it. Is it good? Oh, okay. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. He basically gets all this tech installed in him and now he's like a kung fu killer cool mega mind which is another animated film starring will ferrell brad pitt and tina fey oh i had no idea brad pitt was in that he plays the like goody two shoes guy and it's basically all about a villain who becomes a hero i love it and then i got orgasmo on my list which is a It's a Trey Parker, Matt Stone film. The guys from South Park did a movie way long time ago about a Mormon who becomes a porn star. And then they become real life superheroes when they invent the real orgasmo ray, which (laughs) its power is when you zap it at someone, they have a full blown orgasm. So you can basically beat anyone in a fight because when you shoot them, they have an orgasm, except the person who becomes the main supervillain. Has no nuts. So he, it's it's ridiculous. And then <laughs> this is a this is a TV only, but it's a TV show and it's Avatar The Last Airbender. I know it doesn't really fit in with the movie portion, but Avatar The Last Airbender, 
is maybe one of the best pieces of superhero dumb done originally in the last 20 years. Hey, I respect it. Hit me with yours. Uh, so I had Darkman, and then the, really the only other one for me was Chronicle, which I've never seen, but like I, I've heard very good things about. Yeah, it's like a found footage superhero flick. Yeah, exactly. And then what are your, your honorables? Just Unbreakable, which was on your list. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, Although now good. that I know about RoboCop, like I didn't think now about RoboCop, that yeah. would be on my honorable mentions too. Would it break the top three? No, no. It's pretty great though. It is really great. It's so campy. <laughs> Jay, this week we need to stop everything and we need to talk about <laughs> the momentous like Twitter week you had. You had, had a, a momentous Twitter week. Yeah. Twitter week. So obviously, as we talked about earlier, there was that Scott Pilgrim cast reunited thing. And in addition to that, because of that, you were tweeting up a storm. And as we mentioned earlier, Edgar Wright like liked your tweet. He liked my tweet. He liked your tweet. What did you tweet? Like, what okay, did he like? So, I, I mean, I was watching the reunion. It started at 1 p.m. Now, we have this in the show notes. You can go watch the reunion. I highly recommend it. It's a blast. They got so many people back. The only person who was really missing, who needed to be there, was Kieran Culkin, who did not show up, which, whatever. I mean, your reasons are your reasons, but it would have been awesome to have Wallace there. It just would have been great. Anyway, they're all reading from the script, and Ellen Wong, who plays Knives, is crushing it in the first 10 minutes of this thing. Like, just absolutely. I laughed every time she delivered a line because it was so perfectly knives. I loved it. And I wrote, only 10 minutes in, and Ellen Wongster is stealing the show. Love, hashtag Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, hashtag Scott Pilgrim. And of course, almost, almost like instantly, Edgar Wright liked my tweet. Wow, that's so cool. It was he, uh, it was a big moment for me. I'm going to say it. It was a really, really cool moment for me. Well, I mean, like, that means you're, like, pretty much, like, fully interacting with, like, one of a director My that favorite you love. directors of all time. And yeah. then at the end of it, I just, I donated because it was for charity. It was for water for people. You know, not everybody during this pandemic has actual clean water that they can wash their hands with. So this was a charity event that they were doing. So I obviously donated hundred bucks and I said, uh, thank you to everyone involved for such a wonderful cash reunion. I wish I could have donated more to water for people, but I passed along what I could. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Scott Pilgrim is great. And Brandon Routh, Superman himself liked that one. Yes. Isn't that like, I just can't believe it. That's amazing. I was on cloud nine. Look, when Scott's evil exes show up and number three shows up and Todd is, you know, like in my tweet. I mean, yeah, he is now a vegan, but you know, like that, that it was awesome. Like it was just so cool to have uh, Todd from Scott Pilgrim like my tweet. Did you get like a whole bunch of new followers off of all this? I have gotten maybe 10 new followers this week. I've been pretty active this week on Twitter. I mean, like when something like that happens, all of a sudden you're like, "Ooh, I I should just I should just Keep be tweeting. on Twitter more." 
Yeah. I I have to say, like, I have been slowly but surely really enjoying Twitter a lot more, like, the last few weeks. It's literally so targeted to what I love that it's the only social media that when I jump on, I know I'm going to see the things that I want to see. And it, when I click on the trending and it, and, and it goes like, here's for you, it's usually exactly like movie stuff that I want to know about. And uh, it's great. Great. You know, I think other social media get too much attention. And I think Twitter, like to this day, it's like one of my favorites. So get on Twitter, people, if you aren't there already. It's app time. We've been playing a lot of games recently, and we decided to take just like a, a little breather because I think originally... I don't think we had intended for the pandemic to be going on this long. Like, I don't think anyone in the world was prepared back in the start of everything for how long the pandemic would be continuing. No, I I thought I thought we would be gearing up to go back into places by now. It's 137 days by my diary count. Wow. And and no end in sight, really. I mean, I think that I, I'm resigned now that this is it for the rest of the, the year, like in, into 2021 even. I'm going to say I, I'm really happy to have you on this side of the border. Not not saying anything about the United States and our American listeners who are, are so awesome. Thank you for listening. But I'm very worried for all of you because of the the uptick in the numbers. I'm, I'm just yeah, I'm just watching and I, I'm concerned now. Ontario is having our own uptick right now. We almost hit 200 yesterday. Wow. Which is like nothing to our American listeners. But for us, that's like, or for Canadians, that's a big deal. Actually, so we went for a socially distanced hangout yesterday. And and because we came back from the States, like we have, we've, we've imported our cars and Blake had bought a car from the States and like, so we have American plates and people were like yelling at us on the streets kind Whoa. of and like yeah and then this one guy like he drove by noticed the plate backed up half a block to stare at the car and us and we were like what is going on which goes to show that canadians are not always polite yeah they're not always polite <laughs> but i am i am glad to have you here and i feel better in my soul to have you guys here i think and i i don't have any other friends in the u.s right now i do have uh, a couple of friends in Vancouver and numbers are going up in Vancouver. So they may see another lockdown situation coming soon, but we were just, we were thinking about like, Hey, if we take a little bit of a break, what are we going to talk about in the segment? And Ivana, you found a mashable list of like the best apps so far in 2020. And we don't talk about that because, Hey, we're on our phone so much, but there are a ton of new great apps that we could all be enjoying. That's it. It's been a while since we've done a little bit more tech stuff. And I I think that, you know, now that pandemic life is the normal life, we figured we'd go back to like a bit of a normal segment in changing things up a bit. Yeah. So Mashable has this list of the best apps so far. Now, one of these apps I have downloaded for Android and I sent you a little image and And you were like, so cool. And you were like, where'd you get this? How'd you do this? What's the app called? And I'm like, you're going to have to wait. So you are waiting till now. This is the new Adobe Photoshop camera that installs all these great new lenses. Not to mention there is a ton of free lenses you can download. It's to the so app. cool. Like 
the the pictures that it makes it like puts like instagram filters to shame to shame this is like mind-blowing stuff there is like ocean images where you can look like your head is above the water in the ocean or uh whatever but if you find like a really cool scenery place there are scenery specific ones that you can use there's ones where you're outside and you see the sky and it's like use this one if it's the sky and it transforms the sky into something beautiful this app is free and it is super cool so i would recommend anyone trying adobe's new photoshop camera app it's available for both ios and android and uh it got a wide release um i think in the in june of this year and it's great i'm downloading it as we do this podcast i'm so excited All right, what else is on this list? Uh, I see HBO Max, which I haven't signed up for HBO Max, but they do have a ton of content, especially in the States. Are they even available in Canada? They're not. We're still under the Crave header in Canada. That's okay. Crave is pretty amazing as well. It's an upgrade to HBO's current offering, and because they're the most expensive streaming option nowadays, um, it's kind of like it's about time that they get a huge catalog of items to sort of warrant that price. But when you're looking at this catalog, you get all of Friends, you get the Studio Ghibli films, you're going to get Warner's back catalog of amazing films. HBO Max is something that I want, I wish I had, and maybe my VPN will have to come into play to break through this barrier at some point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really like this one. This one's a lot of fun. So it's called Pokemon Smile. And it's more for kids than for adults. But hey, if you have trouble, (laughs) this could be for you too. It's a newly launched free app that uh, leverages the magnetizing power of Nintendo's pocket monsters to make sure you brush your teeth correctly. It looks so cute, and I love, po- like, I still, I still play Pokemon Go. I love that app. It's been four years. Four years I've been playing this app. Like, it's insane. You basically, you basically point the selfie camera at yourself while you brush your teeth, and Pokemon, like Pikachu or Squirtle, they, like, guide you along your journey of brushing your teeth, and I thought that was absolutely silly, but... So much fun for kids who are maybe not spending as much time as they should brushing those pearly whites. I kind of want to do it myself. Like, do I brush enough? Now now I have to download this and play along. I think you should. Are you going to do it? Are you going to get the app? I'll do it. Yeah, why not? I'll totally do that. Uh, and then the last one on the list that we're going to talk about is called Anonymous Camera. And the interesting thing about Anonymous Camera is it kind of came out due to the nationwide protests after the police killing of George Floyd. Yeah. What this app aims to do is blur or cover up faces with solid uh, colors using on-device machine learning. So you don't need to do anything. Then you take a picture of yourself with the app, and then it will, in real world, make you anonymous so that... That way you can post it and you don't have to worry about getting people's consent or like outing someone for being at a protest when when they don't want to be identified. My guess is like I hope that the people of Hong Kong 
get it because there it's becoming increasingly important to be like anonymous in your protesting. And the best part is that this is a free app. Uh, there is a way to throw a dollar ninety nine one time fee to remove watermark that comes with it, but it's a free app. I I think that these are the kind of apps that when real change is happening. To protect those people who are doing real change, these are the most effective that come into market. So 2020 has been as turbulent as ever, and these are Mashable's best apps to service you in this time. Before we move on, Jay, have you downloaded, even if it's an older app, but like an app that's new to you in this 2020 year that has been like very changing that you love a lot? I downloaded TikTok. Oh, shit. Even with all the, like, controversy about, like... Yeah. Yeah. I downloaded TikTok, and I am obsessed. What? Really? It's It's, it's that... not like I'm posting anything. I, I don't think I will ever post anything. But I sit and scroll for hours. I literally watch my battery drain as I'm just scroll, scroll, scroll. And every, like, five scrolls, you get something. That is so gold, a, a dog that makes you happy or, you know, somebody says something funny about Canada. I don't know. It's so good. And I and between that and I actually installed Vimeo because I forgot about Vimeo until our film freaks this week. I love Vimeo. Vimeo is so good. And Vimeo is fantastic. And I had actually forgot I bought things on Vimeo. So now I have those back in my little library. What about you? What are you using lately? Um, so, I mean, I think everyone's been talking about it. Like Zoom is fairly like I didn't know about it till the pandemic. And it's a fantastic video chat app. I even have like a little extension for my our Google Meets. We meet via Google Meet whenever we do these. Because, of course, even though we're in Canada, we're still socially distancing from everyone. Yeah. So we're still doing it just from our homes, uh, like remotely. And but but Zoom is good. I I don't have a paid account, so it's not worth it for. We talk for way too long to be able to no, use that. No, no, no. So we got to do the Google Meet. But it's 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 good. Like the interface, I kind of get why people are obsessed with it. And Google Meet also is kind of new to me from 2020. Yeah, me too. It's uh, I don't have it on my phone, but I obviously use it on my laptop. Right, and. I have it on my phone as well. And and also the other thing for, is Google Home. So I apparently I'm getting into the Google life stuff because uh, we were just upgrading the internet at uh, the cottage when we were self-isolating there. So, And what have you done with the Google Home? Because I know you don't want it listening to you. No, I don't want it listening to me. And we don't have any of the devices that actually listen, but I... Hooked in the Sonos. And I have to say that was the most anticlimactic thing. Google Home <laughs> is great for the Google Wi-Fi setup that we have going. Um, but then I added Sonos and I can't even control the Sonos from my Google like home app. So I'm not really sure what benefit I'm getting. Interesting. I guess you got to go into the Sonos app. Yeah, but like. Then why did I even bother hooking in my Sonos into my Google Home? Now they just know I have a Sonos. Like, I don't know. I guess I, I still have a lot to explore <laughs> there. <laughs> I think I, I will say for me, because I have a I have a smartwatch, I had to apply my smartwatch to my Google Home 
so that I could use voice command. So it may only be there for voice command. Right. Yeah. And I think I tried to do that. I tried to use voice command to control the Sonos. It didn't work, but I only tried very briefly. Right. So maybe I just didn't try enough. I mean, you're going to have to let us know, but I understand how uh, skeptical you are about everything that is voice assistant related. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love like I just it so freaks me out to have like a device listening to you all the time. You just give up so much privacy and like I cannot live a guarded life that way. (laughs) As I look to my right and to my left and to my phone. Oh, my God. (laughs) it's film freaks chatter for the film fan and all of us last week ivana you heard one of my honorable mentions for a rainy day movie at the cottage and it was called arsenic and old lace starring Cary grant from 1944 and you wanted to watch it i did and i'm just gonna say i did (laughs) and i nominated it for today's film freaks But I didn't know what it was about. (laughs) So if you're just tuning in, Arsenic and Old Lace is an old Frank Capra film that was an even older play. The story takes place on Halloween in Brooklyn, New York. It follows a man named Mortimer who is getting married to Elaine. Now, Mortimer is a public figure who writes books against marriage, but with Elaine, he throws that away and he decides... He's going to get married. Yeah, this is really just a plot device to get Mortimer into his childhood home with his two aunts to tell them the news of his marriage. While there, we meet Teddy, a relative who thinks he's Theodore Roosevelt, and quickly learn about a long-lost brother who is likely in prison. As Mortimer is looking for his latest collection of anti-marriage books to burn, he discovers a corpse. His aunts quickly explain it away, like, oh, it's a little secret they have. In fact, they have 12 little secrets. <laughs> As it goes, these kindly neighborly ladies have been killing lonely men who stay in their room for rent as a mercy. They never have families, and they feel their actions are putting these men at peace. And they've got a good racket. Teddy buries the bodies in the cellar, believing they've died of yellow fever. So Mortimer decides to commit Teddy while trying to keep his fiance away from all this craziness around him. While all this is going on, Jonathan slips into the house with his assistant, Dr. Einstein, and we learn that they also have a body that they need to store. Jonathan is that brother who was, quote unquote, likely in prison. The doctor is a renowned plastic surgeon whose botched job to hide Jonathan's face from police turned him into a Boris Karloff lookalike. And they're looking for a place to correct that action. The house will do nicely. So that's basically the setup for a series of bizarre encounters to hide bodies, thwart death, and ultimately secure all of the bad guys. The film ends with a marvelous revelation that Mortimer is not actually a Brewster family member by blood, and so he doesn't have to suffer from a psychiatric break in the future. Even though he's totally ignoring anything his fiance is saying and charges her off to the bedroom. So Ivana, screwball comedy... What did you think? Movies have gotten a lot, a lot, a lot better (laughs) in the last, (laughs) like, 80 years, basically. (laughs) So what what about this movie did you find could have been improved 
or, you know, what what made this movie not as good as the films today? Well, did you like it? Oh yeah, I had a, I laughed a lot. I had a good time. Oh okay. Um, okay. You know, I'm gonna. I'm I mean, just this was an honorable mention on my list last week. So yeah, I I enjoy this film. I so the acting is 1940s acting, which I think acting is better now than it used to be. We definitely it, don't see this kind of acting at, really at all anymore. No, not at all. I find it hard to listen to that accent, like that weird accent of the, the transatlantic, fast-talking, like weird tempo thing that they were doing. So I, I found it very difficult to stay paying attention to this movie, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, that's fair. It was distracting. Um, the story was a little ridiculous. like Oh, a lot ridiculous. In a way like, that... It's a bonkers story. It's a bonkers story. Even just the ending where he's like, oh, I'm not officially like one of you. Therefore, I'm great. Blah, da, 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 da. Like, what? What? It's so weird. This movie has very little to say about anything in this film. But what it is saying is here is a Halloween movie about a guy who looks like Frankenstein and a guy who is supposed to be happily married, even though he's just the worst husband in the world. Yeah, he's even horrible for that to day. his like, and he's is he married, married or is he engaged? Like it, it kind of goes back and forth, I feel like. So at the beginning, he wasn't married and then. By the end of the beginning, he is married. He is, yeah, they're getting officially married. And they're going going on their honeymoon. honeymoon. Right. To Niagara Falls. (laughs) And there is a lot. Which I guess was a big destination back then. I don't think anybody's like rushing out to Niagara Falls now. Well, I mean, I think it's like a thing in the States or at least in some northern states because uh, like think about the office and how Jim and Pam get married at Niagara Falls. Oh, you see is a romantic destination then yeah like i, th- I think it is For a us, legit it's a carnival so <laughs> yeah like... and it's i think that's lost in like the canadian translation oh yeah for us it is a hundred percent just like a silly goofy giant year-round carnival and sure <laughs> like, yeah exactly not exactly the, the most romantic thing in the world yeah i mean I, I mean, I don't know how many people think like Buffalo is an exciting place to go for their honeymoon. Is is it? It's Buffalo, right? Buffalo, New York on the night. Yeah, Falls it's in Buffalo, New York. But I don't think that it's the Buffalo aspect that gets people. I think it really is just the falls. It's like to see something that large. It just doesn't. I guess when I think of honeymoon, I think of like going off on a crazy adventure to a different place or a beach and like an all-inclusive like it's usually one of those right right now if you were going to remake arsenic and old lace today what would you do like who would i cast yeah let's do that that sounds fun who would you cast as mortimer who is played by carrie grant who basically was the original screwball comedy male lead with his girl friday so he is very used to this fast-paced Quick talk and getting jokes and asides to the audience very quickly, including staring directly at the the camera in a meta fourth wall breaking way. John Hamm. Yes, John Hamm. What about you? Totally do it. 
He would do so good. I don't want John. I wouldn't if I made this movie again. The one thing I would absolutely like would be a no go for me is that fast talking style. I'd want to completely update it like completely totally new script. Just the same concept and idea and characters. I will say whenever a film comes out and they do have that 1940s flair of back and forth banter, I instantly like the film a lot more. So down with love, leatherheads. I I I enjoy. I don't think either one of them is like an incredibly great film, but I enjoy them and I feel like it elevates them today when when people are doing it today. It happens so seldomly that it's kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about this way of telling jokes. Yeah, I guess because I didn't laugh. There's so many times when I was watching this movie where I felt like, oh, this is a joke and a punchline and I don't get it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously you must have been like laughing at the ants thinking that, that being so honest about killing 13 people. I the ants I loved. I loved the ants. Everything to do with the ants was great. It's just everything to do with everything else was not. <laughs> like Mortimer kind of sucks. Even when Dr. Einstein is trying to like warn him that he is about to be murdered by his brother, he's such a jackass that he won't let him like talk. He's not listening to him. He's talking over him. Oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Get out of my way. Get him out of and, and like, if he just shut up for two seconds, he wouldn't get tied up and he wouldn't like sit in the chair and all that stuff. And of course, then that joke is I watched a play where this happened in your version. It would be a movie probably. Right. Exactly. Where it, he it, watched this happen and he sits down and then it happens just like it did in the play. Here's the thing though. I feel like Cary Grant plays it like he is the good guy, even though he's acting like an idiot. And I yes. feel like John Hamm, if he were to do it and you upgraded everything, John Hamm would play it in the way that he he would like ham up, for lack of a better term, the I'm a horrible person thing. Like he would play it with the nuance of an actor who knows that he's playing a character that's being a douchebag, but that douchebag is not self-aware to his own douchebaggery, which I feel like Cary Grant did not have that nuance. He just played a good guy while being a douchebag and I think there's something to be said for playing a for you the actor knowing that you're playing the douchebag but that douchebag can never know that they're playing the douchebag you know what I mean there are just layers of things that you can reveal to your audience if you were aware of that yeah if there's definitely going to be if you're doing this again this has to be a meta film in a way a hundred percent. There's too much ridiculous for it not to be self-aware. Who would you cast as the ants? Oh, I, I think I'd do something like I keep going back to the cast from Practical Magic, but I think I would uh, I would do like Diane Keaton and maybe Shirley MacLaine. Oh, I like that. Those are good because good Shirley MacLaine is like she can play sweet, but with a little bit of evil. And Diane Keaton would just be so apologetic and, and kind of perfectly apologetic. Yeah, I feel like they would do really, really well. I kind of, I think I would want to do Susan Sarandon because she's so 
young while also and sexy like yeah yeah she and, is and i think that would add because like they are such frumpy characters in their own right that i kind of want to change that up and i want to bring some sex appeal into the the fray okay and i think i'd like to see her with sally field because i think sally field actually like has this like virginal quality and then putting them together would be really fun. Or, or you bring in Gina Davis and you kind of have like a nod to, uh, Thelma and Louise. That's a, that's another idea for sure. Absolutely. Who would you cast as Jonathan, the evil brother who wants to kill his brother who wants to, I mean, he's just a horrible serial killer. Basically. You know who I think would be really good at that? Two people, either Ben Stiller, who I think could kill it. Okay. Um, or Will Ferrell, who I also could would think that he would kill it. So who is the movie makeup going to be that reminds you of like a monster? Because that's a, that's a big deal in this film is that like he's had makeup put on his face to make it yeah, look he like He should look Boris like Carla. Frankenstein. Yeah, He exactly. should look like Frankenstein. Okay. So people still say Boris Karloff. Well, no. I guess not. I think people know what Boris Karloff looks like. If you have an image in your mind of the Frankenstein monster or the mummy, you have an idea of Boris Karloff. Yeah, but like, I don't think people know that that it that was name? Boris Karloff. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay, that is fair. Um, okay, so maybe he does have to be modeled after somebody like... Maybe he's modeled after Anthony Perkins in Psycho and people think he's Norman Bates. That would be a hard joke to sort of figure out a new one for. What would you do? I think I'd keep most of it the same. I would like to see what happens with Jonathan after the ca- the cops grab him. Like, I, w- I want, like, something menacing from him. He was by far my favorite thing in the movie, I think. Um, really? Just, he's just so scary. Like, even watching it in this this day and age, he just... He had he, he exuded menace walking towards the ants and they were just scared of him. And I, I, I kind of really wanted Mortimer to punch him out. But of course, that didn't happen. And there's even a moment where he's talking about, remember what I used to do, Mortimer? Remember the needles under your and like you see Mortimer's face kind of go white a little bit. And I, I was just like, wow, like he is commanding in this role so who do you think could be commanding in that role if you remade the movie i think i'd go with adam driver whoa whoa and i think adam driver would say yes i think this movie even though you may have not loved it i think this movie has a real fan base and i think a lot of people would love to be in a remake of it bold bold statement so I mean, we haven't really talked a little bit about the movie. Elaine, as the the only love interest, is so wasted as just a woman screaming around trying to get her husband's attention. But her husband is wrapped up in realizing his aunts have killed 12, 13 people now. There's 13 bodies in the cellar. They want to kill more people. And he's trying to have Teddy committed because Teddy's the one who can... Right, so if he gets rid of Teddy, then they are unable to kill more people. That's his, like, thought. That's his thought. Like, if I get rid of them, they can't hide the bodies, they'll stop doing it. But it's crazy. And then Jonathan comes home, and he's just, like, 
There's a funny part where Dr. Einstein compares his aunts to Jonathan where like they've both killed 12 people and Jonathan gets really like pissed off about that. It's like, no, all I got to do is one better. All I got to do is one better. Yeah, and he's I'm like, like oh so competitive. He's, he's so like, competitive. no, they will not be as good of a killer as I am. <laughs> so he knows who's he, who he's going to kill. Mortimer when he comes back and he like almost succeeds with killing Mortimer. But then the cops show up and the cops have this idea that he's going to do tell them, tell him a whole play because he's a he's a theater critic. And that's when the shenanigans really get ridiculous because all of a sudden a police chief shows up and then a lieutenant and then the doctor to take Teddy away. But the ants don't want Teddy to go away. So they want to go, too. And, and then he's themselves. like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, take them away, too. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 do that, do that. Because he, again, is trying to cover up the fact that there are 13 bodies in the basement. While this is going on, Elaine hides, goes into the cellar, runs up, is like, oh, my God, it's true. And the worst thing that Cary Grant could do is pick her up and plant his lips on hers and just run with her. And it's like, yeah, what is happening? This is so not right and it's like it, it just shows the level of unimportance of the woman in the film yeah in, in, yeah. A, in a way that's real shitty and then he like yells charge because that's what his other relative teddy does and he's running her towards the bedroom and it's just like ridiculous it yeah, it definitely, like, in that way, we have come a long way since 1944. But this is a, a huge classic film. On Letterboxd, it's almost four stars, and it's got uh, 121 ratings. Most of the ratings are four stars. Uh, I think I'd give it three and a half. I still think, even after last week's episode, it is a great rainy day movie. You pop it on, everybody pops in and out for whatever they want. Ivana can't follow along, so she's drinking, which is happy for everybody. And like, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> I, I think I give this movie like a two to a two and a half. I mean, I see the I see why it was good at the time. I just don't I, I guess I just don't really like old movies enough or something. I don't know. Well, we're going to have to change that. We're going to have to watch some old movies, but not next week. Because next week we are watching The Divide and The Divide was recommended to us on our Facebook page from one of our very, very, very loyal listeners. Richard, thank you so much. Shout for out to out. Richard. Richard, thank you, you so much. You are the best, Richard. Um, <laughs> and it is a isolation movie. It's like a bunker movie where people are hiding because there's been a nuclear explosion somewhere and it's kind of a mystery. So... I I think Richard saw this movie at a like a midnight screening at a film festival and he said he'd love to hear what we think. So we are watching that and you can watch it too. It's The Divide from 2011. And that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and please be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop on to your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're Feeling really generous? Why not score us a quick rating or review? Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for all the information about our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. 
Ivana and I love hearing from you. So we built a website on how you can reach us at morethemovies.net. And if you hate websites, we also have an email. Hello at morethemovies.net. Find us on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm uh, super famous on Twitter now, and I'm at Jester J. Follow both of us. Thanks again <laughs> for spending some time with us. We'll be back again soon with an all-new episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>